Chapter thirty seven, part two of Real Aro, the Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nula, part two. After a time, my eager interrogations drew him from the painful inner conflict and with one of his comprehensive and benignant smiles that seemed to light up his whole being he began it is a matter of very ancient history it is indeed thousands i might almost say tens of thousands of years since it was first adopted for it was a deliberate adoption on the part of our ancestors in limanora long generations before the idea of progress had fixed itself into our civilization as its true aim how to make the human system both spiritual and physical advance rapidly was the problem discussed year after year age after age by our wisest men and women all others were counted trivial or auxiliary it seemed mere folly to look after the progress of our domestic animals with so much care and science as we did and leave the human species to the assistance of accident our diseased kine and horses and fowls had to die off without transmission of their weakness to posterity only the finest breeds were paired or allowed to hand on their frames and powers every care was spent on the study of their anatomy and on the development of their best and most useful qualities whatsoever the limanorans desired to do with these animals they did if any feature of their bodies or natures or characters seemed worthy of development it was soon developed and a new species was established what gross disloyalty to the destiny of man to let him drift when he was doing so much for his humble servitors in the animal world a generation or two of discussion awakened our ancestors to the folly of their inaction the cry of reform arose and the feelings of the whole nation were aroused by the enthusiasts for progress in human breeding hereditary disease and the tortures it inflicted on the innocent were used to wing their arrows of eloquence at last there grew up in the community an instinct as peremptory as conscience condemning the marriage of men and women who had transmissible diseases public opinion passed into a moral sense in one or two generations and before a century had gone all the diseases that tended to pass from parent to child had disappeared from every class but the poorest then did it begin to dawn upon the consciousness of our ancestry that the worst of all diseases had though mitigated in virulence been still left to fester in the human system what was the use of curing the body if the spirit were to gather to it and transmit foul thought and emotion the educated and responsible classes came to feel that the true problem was yet unsolved nay that though they had purified their systems of hereditary diseases the poor and neglected and in provident still nursed them and propagated them in the meaner suburbs of the town and in the poverty-stricken districts and villages of the country reformers applied their enthusiasm to educating the proletariat and it seemed at first as if limanora were about to be transformed the annual bill of criminality was reduced and many of the artisans and labourers learned the lesson of providence and rose into the class of the well-to-do 
most of these soon admitted the physiological truths of heredity into their system as part of their conscience and if they had disease of the lungs or heart or brain or nerve they kept from marriage and generation lest it should be transmitted but there still remained the foul social fringe of the community dabbled in the mire of improvidence pauperism hereditary disease and criminality and this was the part of the population that increased most rapidly still it was an eating cancer in the body of the state its members refused education for themselves and their children or if they took it used it as a new and refined weapon against their self-restraining law-abiding neighbors or against the common weal as a whole the true source of all the infection of the state was still uncleansed the medical rulers who had managed affairs so well for several generations were unable to come at this incurable plague spot what was to be done the most drastic remedies were proposed and had their various advocates the exterminators were never anything but a small party because of the general sense of humanity in the people the mutilators became more influential especially amongst the party that attached themselves to the doctors but they never approached the really practical sphere of politics both continued mere parties of theorists ridiculed and sometimes abhorred and execrated at last there came a great religious reformer who spent his whole energies on the pauper and criminal skirts of society he took up the altruistic motive and element in human nature and set it in complete antagonism to the egoistic and individualistic he connected it with the idea of god and taught it as the utterance of the deity at first he implied that the utterance was given through all nature but forced on by his more superstitious followers he had finally to announce himself as the special mouthpiece of this divine doctrine the whole country was soon in a blaze and great was the fervor of the proletariat their millennium seemed to have come they marched about in great bands celebrating his praises many of them had their dominant power stirred to eloquence even the ruling classes looked with favor on the movement and some of the well-to-do joined in it then came the inevitable demand for practical doctrine that arises in the career of every successful prophet what was he going to do for the poor and oppressed what was to be the permanent solution of the problems of pauperism and criminality the state it was true allowed a pittance to all who were completely stranded and appealed to its officers but there was the brand of disgrace on the dole every man or woman who took it slunk away from the side of others how was the world to be regenerated if the horror of charitable mechanism was not to be removed there could be no millennium without stern facing of this problem he took the plunge he declared for equal division of the wealth of the country his mission soon became a crusade against not merely the wealthy but the well-to-do all goods were to be held in common no more was there to be inequality of position or possession property was a sin to be prosperous and provident a crime the crime of theft from the poor the only possessions they should allow to be treasured up were the spiritual wealth in the garner of god 
beyond death there lay the only property that was worth having happiness and serenity in the divine dwelling-place no man should be allowed to appropriate or lay up other treasure god would look after his own here and none should want it was the rankest folly if not blasphemy to save or hoard worldly treasure against the needs of the future one or two of the prosperous amongst his followers came and laid their money at his feet but most turned away from him when they heard him shatter at a word all they had toiled for night and day during their weary lifetime he denounced them as faithless and worldlings unworthy to have followed in his footsteps the governing classes took alarm and watched his movements with every precaution against outbreak but the posse of converted highwaymen and brigands guarded him and it was said that not a few secret murderers were in the band they feared that he might be assassinated and that his followers might then be left to the tender mercies of the law he elevated their lives for the time by the religious fervour he infused into them whosoever saw them spoke of them as new men it is true that he had adopted their own practical creed antagonism to property and had thus attached them to him by bonds of community but he sublimated it and as long as the throb and transport lasted raised them to something that seemed his own religious platform there were symptoms of dissension in some when they came to see that the world was not transfigured whilst others who had low vulpine natures to begin with sneaked around his camp to see where they could betray to their own profit these latter the rich hypocrites and machiavellis hired as assassins the fall of their saviour under the blow of a midnight dagger at first paralysed the new enthusiasts but soon there came the full revenge of all martyrdoms the doctrine that had to be met by the knife of the assassin was surely strong many of the ardent youth of the governing classes looked into it and found it noble they and some who had been secret followers of the popular leader openly espoused his faith and put themselves at the head of the bewildered proletariat the nation was suddenly involved in civil war it was clear that the one side had nothing and the other everything to lose if the new socialists won then the rich and the governors would be reduced to the ranks all they had gained through long generations would have to be surrendered for division it was worth a struggle indeed it must be a struggle for very life their worldly cunning came to their aid most of them were above the mean resources of treachery were noble in every sense of the word and refused to listen to anything but open combat but the foxy diplomats suborned one of the youthful leaders and made him their agent in the camp of the enthusiasts they sent their hirelings in to join the enemy there was in the first battle a bold front offered by the socialists but the traitors deliberately gave way and fled and soon the raw half-disciplined artisans and labourers were en route the converted thieves returned to their plunder and the poverty-stricken to their misery then a strange thing happened to turn the flank of the new religion the gilded classes adopted it and began to worship the martyr as divine the more sincere of his followers were satisfied with the change and settled down to their old life of discontent or content 
the world took shelter under the beliefs of this hater of the world his creed was emasculated of his socialism and altruism indeed but was accepted in word it became the symbol of all that was gorgeous and tyrannical magnificent temples rose for its worship and in them haughty priests officiated he who had been the apostle and prophet of the poor became the god of the rich and powerful the new religion had left the nation not much better than it had been one good thing however came from it by accident it was long discussed what was to be done with the enemies of property theoretical and practical the socialists and the thieves a solution was furnished by one of the most machiavellian of the diplomats it was to give them as much as would be their share were the wealth of the state divided and to deport them to one of the largest and most fertile islands of the archipelago Tirralaria. it was hailed as the salvation of the state many ships therefore were prepared and the enthusiastic believers in socialism and the thieves were put on board and safely disembarked in their new domain with the threat that if any of them attempted to land again in Limanora, they would at once be put to death two attempts were made to return but they were beaten off the expeditions in each case consisted of the better class of socialists who felt the grinding tyranny of socialism in which the bad were put on the same footing as the honest and conscientious they were each too small to force a landing on any other island nor would their fellow islanders allow them to come back to Terralaria. they could not live always in fallas and they vanished from the archipelago in its current tradition whence it comes i know not that they burst through the circle of fog into the outer ocean and sailing eastwards got footing on the western shores of america but it is so many centuries ago when either secession occurred that the story is as dim as a dream of our infancy the experiment was successful for limanora and supplied the new political formula of all reform the state was well rid of knaves without doing them any wrong some of the worst blood of the community had been drawn and yet the system had not been weakened to any great extent the worst of the criminal and improvident part of the population had been expelled and it seemed to optimists as if the limanoran millennium were about to appear alas for human hopes though the virtuous section of the people had had their hands greatly strengthened there were still the more gilded forms of vice to cope with ambition and love of war sensuality and falsehood were rooted in the hearts of the nation that had seemed to be purified in order to gain their ends the ambitious were ever appealing to force and stirring up civil war till at last it became unbearable by the peace-loving majority who put into office sympathizers with their view of life and demanded expurgation of the loathed pugnacity all who were warlike or ambitious in their nature or who had come of warlike or ambitious ancestry were deported to brulee and you have seen the result of their civilization the hypocrites and the sensual were as eager as any to see the appeal to force finally extruded they thought they would have it their own way when the swaggering hectoring military men were gone but the licentious soon found themselves isolated 
their sins more readily found them out their outrages on what was honest in domestic life roused more sweeping and clamorous condemnation the soldiers and bullies had had in their natures a side that was close to their own vice and indulged in the amorous passion to license when their combativeness or ambition did not occupy the stage of their minds they had had a sympathy for the lechers and often protected them when public opinion had risen against them knowing that they themselves at times stood in need of similar protection and though the lechers felt more kin to the hypocrites in their often demure or sly and crawling temptation of women they found these anything but allies in fact the machiavellis joined the hue and cry against them and had them all carefully picked out of the community and deported with their share of the wealth of the state to figlefia the net was drawing round the hypocrites and liars though they thought they were making themselves supreme in the nation the honest and loyal and true element had grown predominant and before a century had passed the faults had followed after the lechers they were exiled with their belongings to aleofane unlike the socialists and thieves these last three sets of exiles made no attempts to return or to enter into alliance against their old island they found it too great scope for their respective vices in their new countries to desire to leave them they have prospered according to their own lights and delude themselves into the belief that they have ideals far beyond those of their original land brule as we have seen sets up peace as its motive and religion figlefia matrimony and domestic life and aleofane truth they each carried away with them so large a share of the wealth of limanora that they long believed her too poor to be worth robbing so they let her alone individuals for a time made efforts to land but they were taught a severe lesson and since the invention of the storm cone all such attempts have been abandoned and the central island is usually spoken of as the land of devils each of these now ancient nations adopted the principle that had led to their independence and deport alien elements to other and smaller islands of the archipelago one large group they call their lunatic asylum thither they send every one who is so fanatical in his enthusiasm for an idea or social theory so extreme in his development of any alien vice or virtue as to be a danger to the state or to the peace of the community each island is given up to one type of monomaniacs and it is an agreement on the part of the three great commonwealths to adhere to the classification of crazes it is thus that they have been able to remain stable and united the deportation policy has been their salvation for it is the quixotic enthusiasts and crotchety extremists that constitute the greatest danger to the solidarity of a state but in spite of their great advantages and the adoption of this method of state expurgation they have not advanced in these thousands of years during which they have occupied their islands in after ages it was a matter of regret to the advancing laminorans that they had not monasticized the exiles it was useless they knew to adopt what you are thinking of a missionary system no propaganda however successful 
ever did more than send the old beliefs and habits below the surface to reappear in the new generations conversion through intellect or the feelings is only skin deep by no process can the century-long growth of civilization or virtue be abbreviated into a few days or months or years selection in breeding and complete change in environment are the only true missionaries and with many races even these are powerless so deep has the virus of moral retrogression sunk into their natures the best propagandists for them would be complete monasticism the men of my day felt deep sorrow for the world that their ancestors had not sent the sexes of the deported to different islands and guarded against the mutual approach by keeping three or four navies in the seas between till the socialists the warlike the sensual and the false had died out it would have meant the greatest vigilance and the devotion of a large section of the people to naval pursuits for almost a century but it would also have meant the disappearance of this obstacle to the progress of the world this element of danger in the archipelago the evil was irremediable by my time for any attempt to remove it would mean conquest and bloodshed and it had become not merely a maxim of state but an instinct born in every limanoran that conquest and bloodshed are more than futile are ruinous that they destroy the higher nature of the conqueror or destroyer to enter on such a course as would lead to the extermination of these vicious communities would be to sow again in our own the seeds of still greater evils nothing but the silent obliterative process of nature could justify itself to my countrymen there was another reason that will perhaps seem to you more practical it was that they had by no means finished their process of expurgation no longer had great bodies to be deported but from age to age an individual nature even in the most carefully bred and trained showed atavistic vice or weakness and when every means had failed to cure it the individual had to be exiled and one of these islands was his natural home to which it would be no inhumanity to carry him for there would he find choice spirits and natures akin to his own this was my case i had an ancestry that had in long ages gone by shown warlike proclivities but in so subordinate and unobtrusive a way that they had not been banished in the intervening generations their pugnacity had by means of selection and environment wholly disappeared but by some accident of nature or miscalculation on the part of the limorian sages who had just chosen my parents and surroundings the taint that had seemed dead reappeared in spite of all remedies and care i grew more pugnacious more eager to excite my neighbours to war i devoted my talents to the invention of weapons and war material i made myself at last so obnoxious that no alternative was left i was exiled to brulee and there have i spent the long years since in efforts to burn the tainted spot from my nature the cloud had fallen upon him again as he approached this part of his story he persevered to the end but so heavy lay the sorrow over his past upon him that it was keen anguish to speak further of it i left him to his thoughts and went on deck 
i was surprised to find that we were close to the shore and that on it stretched out a large and handsome city i looked up to the great mountain that overbrowed it and i seemed to recognize an outline with which i was familiar could it be nuku the name brought back my subterranean agony the light streamer of mist that floated over its top showed it to have inner fires the memory seemed almost dreamlike and perhaps the unfamiliarity of some of the details was owing to our being on the other side of figlefia the side i had not seen nula followed me on deck and i conjectured that a subject like this might distract his thoughts and dispel his cloud i called his attention to the land and asked him if he knew it it was figlefia but he seemed to be astonished at something in the scene his eye was fixed on the city i had never seen it before and noticed nothing unusual in its appearance but he saw with his keener and farther power of vision that no life was stirring in it another city of the dead was here the dwellers could not be buried in sleep under the flashing scrutiny of noon the ship's glasses could not help him to solve the difficulty nor could his recollection of the history of the island he had never heard of such devastating plagues in figlefia as he had witnessed in brulee it had slavery but the slaves did not come such a distance and were used as sailors and oarsmen in the passage over sea it was women that the lechers had mainly kidnapped and it was these would have their revenge but he had never heard of any efficient retaliation on the part of their seraglios it could not be an ambuscade to seize the daydream he alone would venture on shore he would not hear of my joining him on his first excursion when he got to land i could see him move cautiously about the streets and then return still alone to the beach he rode off and invited me to return with him it was one of the strangest scenes i had ever witnessed for i had because of my illness and haste of embarkation seen little of the plague-stricken streets of the capital of brulee the magnificence of the buildings and the luxury of the interiors of the houses contrasted with the loathsomeness of the rotting corpses in every house lay some dead generally in the midst of the most splendid tapestries and the most luxurious couches and seats the spraying fountains of scent were now unable to overcome the stench of the dead hands that had set them flowing but nula observed that it was only in the houses of the lawful wives that the dead lay men women and children the seraglios were empty except for here and there the stripped corpse of a man the beautiful slave women had all vanished there was not one of the male slaves amongst the dead when he had mentioned this to me in a flash there came upon me the remembrance of my saviour from the wreck of the falla and my guide to the subterranean depths of nuku it was i saw in a moment the ingenious missile he had told me of that had accomplished this carnage of the lecherous tyrants the microbic globule in the hands of the women of swoon area had swept the figlefians from the face of the earth the infection had spread from each adulterer to his wife and household how and whither the slaves had escaped it was impossible to find out 
there was not a sign of life in the whole plague-stricken city doubtless his antiseptic armor and antidote had been found a success whether he and his people would follow up the victory by advancing with his death-dealing missiles against the other islands of the archipelago remained to be seen that their old lethargy would overcome them when they returned to swoonari was the more probable result they would be satisfied to have completed the revenge for the wrongs of ages and to have freed their women who had been kidnapped and the narcotic atmosphere of their native island would make them rest and postpone the dream of universal conquest it was unlikely that they would occupy the island of figlefia or the caverns of nuku that had been their salvation by giving them energy for there were too many agonized memories to lead them to rest there their own lotus-eating isle would draw the slave exiles back irresistibly and hold them within it forever as with bonds of iron nula would not let me remain to speculate over the tragedy that had taken place or the romance of conquest that might follow it there was danger for us in the pestilential atmosphere of the luxurious city he hurried me back to the beach but in passing one of the ramparts he saw some of the catapults that he had made for the bruleans capable of throwing enormous weights great distances he had intended to return to the isle of peace for two of them as soon as he had allowed sufficient time for the slaves to reach incapacity by intoxication and sanguinary quarrels this discovery obviated the expedition he took two of the huge machines to pieces and sent the sailors to carry them piecemeal to the boats he had looked at our cannon and seen that it would be dangerous instruments for carrying out our experiment he had got me to fire one of them and decided that though they had the power to carry the distance he desired they had not large enough bore to admit our enclosures and to attach our cases to their balls might lead to failure of aim or perhaps fatal injury to the two passengers in the missiles when he had the catapults on board he put them together then he made two cases filled them with material equal to the weight of a man and shot them towards the shallower surf on the beach they plunged into the waters and emerged in the ripple along the shore he had them brought back and found them intact he went into one himself and fastened its door securely within so that no water could enter then he instructed us to fire the man missile in the same direction as the previous shots the result was the same and we saw him open the lid and walk out on the beach similar experiments with myself and with both of us convinced him at last that everything was safe and that he could trust to the sailors to manage the affair with success we set out again in bright sunshine and left behind us the deserted city of the plague the next day the sun suddenly clouded and looking up we saw that the cloud was rapidly moving over us and that it consisted of birds we could distinguish the flash of the individual wings as they flickered in the sunbeams that broke through the ranks of the great army we could hear far off the harsh or musical cries of the scouts and leaders or the answering murmur of the embattled masses at times we could see battalions form and reform in their flight the van open its ranks and stretch out in long advancing line and the rear ease their pace in order to cover the laggards 
it was a marvellous sight and the longer we listened the more distinctly we could hear the clang and whiz and creak of the myriads of wings it was the annual migration northwards of the antarctic birds along the line of the submerged continent so newly explained a large continent for ages had been inclined to settle each year on limanora but the storm cone blew them onwards till they rejoined the main body it was the storm cone that was directing their flight now he showed us how agitated were the rear battalions how uncertain the beat of their wings how irregular and shifting their formation there we could see the strength of the blast bear stragglers out of their course as they jerked their wings and uttered harsh cries the spasmodic flash of the sunshine upon them was enough to show that they were bearing the brunt of some propelling storm it took hours to clear the sky of this agitated cloud but we set our course by its streaming flight knowing that whence they were blown was our destination my heart bounded as i saw the face of our guide after instructing the man at the helm it was set with strong resolution and the eye blazed with the prayerful inspiration of a saint fixed upon his deity he gazed into the shimmering light ahead with an intensity that seemed to imply some object dimly descried we could see nothing nor could we disturb him with question we had surrendered the whole guidance of the ship to his discretion on the morning after we saw what had magnetized his gaze the gleaming peak of lilaroma with its streamer of cloud upon the distant rim of sky he knew every inch of the shore for when it came clearly into sight he turned the ship's head directly east leaving the feckless white of the mountain on our starboard we seemed indeed to be streaming away from limanora but he knew his own purpose and we let him alone night fell and then we veered round to the south and faced the still gleaming point of purity upon the horizon up and up it rose into the sky as we sped on and yet the storm had not yet burst upon us he evidently knew the side of the island that was least open to attack and therefore least watched in the dim underlight of the dark moonless night we could discern cliffs rise and snowless levels stretch dim and mysterious still no sign of the storm cone though we could see the line of its passage black round the snowy shoulders of the giant peak on we forged as swiftly as steam could make the daydream fly nula paced anxiously from bow to stern from the lookout man to the wheel never relaxing his gaze into the darkness it was a race with the quickest thoughts upon earth it seemed as if we were about to impinge upon merciless crags we seemed so near still we held on with unbated speed we were almost under the lee of the threatening cliffs and i thought that in a few minutes we should shut out the sight of the cone path round the mountain with the suddenness of a thunderbolt the tornado struck us it made the ship stagger but everything was in readiness every rope and sail tied up every surface that would impede our progress stowed below or turned so that it should not meet the force of the wind we seemed to stand still i thought that we were even receding but she was cutting into the storm for the cliff in front of us broke part of the force of it still the cone roared 
still the yacht made a few paces we could see as we threw everything overboard he knew the conditions of the problem he knew that the people were certain to be long occupied with directing the flight of birds away from the island and he knew the section of the coast that rose highest and would give us smooth water blow the cone its fiercest we took some hours to get inside the ring of broken water and it was still dark he then turned her head to the north and soon we saw a shelving beach open out beyond the cliff he had the catapults ready we were still protected by the crags but in a few minutes we would be out in the open subject to the full fury of the cone storm he gave direction to burns to turn her head inshore full speed as soon as we had run out of the shelter and chewed off the man missiles we entered our cases and fastened the lids securely i felt myself moved and laid in a groove that held the missile firm i heard the word of command from burns and that was almost the last thing i was conscious of from the old world of my boyhood and youth my heart leapt into my mouth as i felt the concussion in starting through the air i seemed to be dashed with great force against something that was cushiony and at that moment my sense of outer world and of myself lapsed our narrator vanished as abruptly as his story broke off here just when our curiosity had been whetted to its keenest we were left with the broken thread we had noticed him hanging back from the account of his intercourse with nula his tissues had grown less transparent as he had proceeded with his description of the various islands he had become accustomed to our food and seemed to approach nearer to our common humanity we came to take greater liberties with him and even urged him to proceed with his narrative we had become so interested in it that we would willingly have abandoned our pursuit of gold for days if only he could have been induced to continue by daylight the glimmer of our lamp or the dancing glow of our fire threw his face into shadow and seemed to give him a confidence and even when storm and rain drove him in from the bush he resisted our persuasions as long as daylight lingered he would lie so still that we were often afraid that he had died or fallen into a trance as he came to his story of nula's exile this reluctance increased even when the flickering shadows of the lamp or fire sheltered him our rough methods of trying to bring him to book only made him shrink farther into himself had it not been for the prolonged and stormy spring i fear that we should never have reached the natural close of his story his exit from riolaro with his last word came bright sunshine and clear weather and he disappeared as abruptly as he had come end of chapter thirty seven part two end of riolaro the archipelago of exiles by godfrey swevin